everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. And today, as always, I'm super excited. Um, this week, I have a friend on here that I haven't gotten to talk to in forever. His name is Adam. Adam is uh, one of my, I would consider Adam to be one of my favorite people as well, but he's married <laughs> to one of my best friends from college, who's also my roommate. And yes, I was there from the beginning of their relationship. Um, up until their wedding day. It's been such a pleasure to to be there for them um, and to get to watch their relationship really kind of grow over the past few years. How long has it been? Four, five years? Three, just a okay, little bit over three. Okay, three years since you've been married, but it's been four or five oh, years yeah. together. Yeah, five and a half. <laughs> but anyway, Adam, I'd love for you to go ahead and share a bit more about you. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Adam. Like Anna said, I have a lovely wife, uh, Tori. We've been married for a few years now. Um, I've got a fantastic little doggo named Coda, uh, who is sitting right next to my chair as we speak. <laughs> um, and hopefully we'll make no noises. <laughs> hey, it's okay if he does. <laughs> just to share something before we go into the rest of today, I want to share something that like stands out to me about Adam and Tori is that they are people who are always extremely honest. Uh, I've been able to call them with all of my questions regarding life, marriage, friendship, relationships, everything. Um, Adam and Tori are some of the most honest people I've ever met. They don't sugarcoat anything, and I appreciate it um, more than they could ever know. So I'm sure that this will be a very... Um, truth-filled podcast a lot of ways i can tell you that adam will be honest about everything am i right yes <laughs> and thank you <laughs> well um to tell you guys a little bit about today so i know that adam definitely has planned and thought about what he wanted to share today and i'm very excited because you know in my time of knowing adam and tori one thing that always stopped me about adam is that he loved um studying the word of God. He loves C.S. Lewis, which is somebody that I love as well. If we don't hear C.S. Lewis quote, it won't be an Adam podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, what I really appreciate is that Adam has really, really studied the word of God. He's studied theology as much as possible because in a lot of ways, Adam was a skeptic. And so that's what he's going to kind of talk about today is how he was a skeptic. And now he's you know, this faith-filled believer, but kind of how he's been that person who's constantly asked questions. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be a really good one for me to hear as well, because I'm that person who's always been that sort of faith-filled believer since I was really young, which is great. Um, but I also think that having those questions is a really good thing. It helps you to explain your faith in new ways to other people and things like that. So both of them have a place, and I really appreciate that Adam's going to talk about that. So Adam, if you want to just go ahead and start with sharing some of your story, I would love that. All right. And of course, just mentioning the C.S. Lewis thing, um, I absolutely <laughs> We'll say something about Lewis because I have one of his books sitting right in front of me right now. Um, anyway, so I wanted to talk about this, I guess, is it's almost what you said. I, I know a lot of people who have been Christians from as long as they can remember, almost to the point that they can't really even recall like when mm -hmm. they became a Christian. Um, and that's awesome. Honestly, I wish that on more people. I think that's probably something you and Tori have in common <laughs> for the mm -hmm. most part. But I know there are people like myself uh, <laughs> whose favorite question from the moment I could speak was why and how. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so 
I've always kind of defined myself as a natural skeptic. And that's not just about faith stuff. It's just in general. I, I ask questions about everything. If I feel like something's not true, I will Google search it. Like I'm, like, <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> All right. And yes, uh, no, Wikipedia is not a great source, but it, I, you know, that's where I go first. Um, anyway, so uh, just to kind of give a little bit of uh, setup for this. Um, I did grow up in the church. I, my family's been Christian my entire life. Um, I actually, for the first eight or nine years, grew up in a revival setting. Um, There's a place down in Florida in Pensacola uh, called Brownsville Assembly of God. And they had this uh, revival that happened for about five years called the Brownsville Revival, which actually it's, I, I was trying to refresh my memory somewhat of it all because I was so young, but if you like just if you end up google searching it it comes up immediately and it's talking about mm -hmm. it being like the largest revival in north america um, mm -hmm. ever something like four million people attended over wow. the course of time but so i have memories of that um big ones <laughs> and then when i was about eight my dad um moved the family up to nashville which is where we've lived ever since um, and he became a pastor alongside one of the revival's leaders. Um, and so I was a pastor's kid for the majority of my life. Uh, my dad is way more than me, a sort of <laughs> self-taught theologian. <laughs> mm. um, there are very few questions that I could ask him that he wouldn't know something about. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously those kind of conversations around the dinner table were pretty common, especially when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and uh, especially with me being like my dad and loving to ask questions. Mm -hmm. I was also um, homeschooled, which is a pretty kind of like Christian dominant setting. Um, not every homeschooler is a Christian, but a, a lot of them were or came from the, that background. Um, for people who hear that and think, oh, you were a sheltered kid. That's that's really not the case. <laughs> I Most of my friends were public schooled. I went to a lot of public mm. school events like dances and games and whatever else. That they wow, that's crazy. But, <laughs> I know the homeschooler at a public school dance. Gotta love it. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't immersed in external worldviews in the same way that my public school friends were on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a little different. I got it kind of in tricklings <laughs> from them mm -hmm. and they were just sort of drowning in it. Um, and so that, that continued all the way through up and through high school. Uh, by the time I got to college, it was a very weird experience for me going into college because instead of doing schoolwork from the quiet setting of my bedroom or something. I'm now thrust into a 30,000 people large campus, <laughs> you know, um, with, I don't know how big the classes were, 40, 60 people. But it was a really sort of shocking cultural uh, <laughs> exposure. Because yeah. um, immediately, day one, I remember this pretty clearly. I we I took a class called University 101, which was supposed to be kind of like the, <laughs> the the entry class into college life. And yeah. How to coexist with everyone and whatnot. And one of the kind of immediate tenets that they established was that every worldview was equally valid and correct. 
it was sort of a I think therefore it is <laughs> kind of mm. um, thought process mm. like if you think it's right it is totally right wow and and so um, which even for me at the time again being a skeptic I'm asking questions about that I'm like I mean can't is that true <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know th there were other things like I took an astronomy class which really pushed Big Bang Theory and things like that which is stuff I had learned about like we learned about Big Bang Theory and evolution and the homeschool setting as well. It's not like I hadn't heard about it, but it, but it was, but it was taught in a more kind of Christian perspective, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah, that's right. So college was pretty different <laughs> on that. Mm. Um, and I guess this was probably just a byproduct of getting older as well. But I started becoming kind of increasingly <laughs> aware of mm. people within the church saying they were Christians and then pretty clearly not believing a word of it. Um, and a lot of the kids that I grew up with were, and some of, some of whom actually went to the same college as me, pretty quickly abandoned their belief system kind of altogether, mm -hmm. um, which I don't, that might've been because of the same kind of cultural sweeping that I felt at the time. Um, maybe not some of them now um i keep up with some of them but some of them now are pretty vocal opponents of christianity or they see mm. other world views and so there was a certain amount of peer pressure in that too for me it was just like this uncertainty of all my friends are kind of thinking this isn't quite right <laughs> yeah um, and then the other one and this is where my my lewis quote will come in it was basically <laughs> along with the, the awareness of my friends kind of Sl hmm. sliding away um also became a little more aware not that i wasn't to some extent but more aware of just how how broken the world is like hmm. you could see it every day on campus with people in general but then i i at that point kind of wanted to go into politics i don't know why i was that was dumb but in that i'm like going through you know, reading news more often and kind of keeping up with world events more often. And this was somewhere around this time in college was when ISIS was going around like beheading people and mm. stuff. And it was just like horrible stuff. And then also being a history buff, I started kind of like, I was the kind of guy in high school, for example, with uh, maybe like the American Revolution, where I was just so interested in like battlefields and like mm -hmm. wars and stuff. But in college, the thought shifted to like, wow, that wars sure can be fought for potentially good reasons, <laughs> but but there's a lot of bad things that come with that, or there's these diseases that sweep across Europe and kill half of the people, you know, things like all sorts of terrible things, um, which turns out is kind of like the oldest uh, objection to Christianity or the existence of any God. It's a pretty typical kind of atheistic point of view is like, if there's so much pain in the world, how can you even believe a God mm -hmm. exists? Because wouldn't a theoretically good God take care of all that? Um, yeah. And so C.S. Lewis calls that the problem of pain, which I think is mm -hmm. a wonderful uh, way of putting that. Um, which I may or may not talk about later. I could do a whole other thing on that. But um, so all this stuff is kind of happening in college um, where there's just 
and I haven't even, I can't touch on all of them. There's just too many, but it was just a, yeah. a, a mountain building of um, things that made me question what I'd grown up with. Um, and I kind of just pushed that aside at the time for partially because I still lived at home. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was I wasn't living on campus. I was commuting. Um, so maybe I wasn't exposed to it so much as some of my friends that didn't stick with it um, yeah. or uh, just having kind of that immediate presence of my my father for the uh, my mom too, but my dad again being a pastor is a little more uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. a little more influential. Do you but, think um, I will say? Do you think that your friends like was there something that you could point out specifically that you think really was a catalyst? Do you think some of it was what you were learning education wise, or do you really think it was more of your friends and watching them kind of change their mind? It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I think for me because I am way more head driven than emotion driven typically uh, part of it was probably I'm sure my friends played a part but I think it was more of a part of me observing what was going on with them and processing that because I yeah and, and then fitting that in with all of the stuff that was being thrown at me on an educational level um, mm. which was also kind of counter cultural to what I had grown up with Right. Um, and there, and it was also like the internet has been around my, our entire lives, <laughs> right? But yeah. the combination of internet plus education and suddenly kind of being increasingly aware of how many different points of view are expressed on a like by minute basis um, was really overwhelming. Uh, I think mm -hmm. for me in particular because I process things as much as I do, but I mm -hmm. process things, um, <laughs> I process things on a long-term scale, right? So I can't, I, I like to really deep dive into things, but I can't really dive into a million things in a, you know, semester, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so in any case, that kind of continued on for four years. I had some kind of like other things that happened that shook me as well kind of mm -hmm. on an emotional level with like breakups and Relationships, stuff and whatnot, yeah. You know? So like I said, I kind of pushed that aside at home um, as best I could. I'm still living there, but looking back on it, there were definitely some things that happened that um, I can kind of see, like I sort of decreased Bible reading for one thing, which not that I read it all that much <laughs> before, to be honest, but mm -hmm. um, the definite decrease. Um, decreased church attendance, um, which may have had some, like I was working on Sundays sometimes, so that might have been part of it too. But there, I do know there was just sort of a general disinterest in things Christian or God, um, which again, looking back on it, I think may have been more like avoidance of anything to do with God, just because mm. I didn't want to handle those questions at the time yeah. over there. Um, because I was afraid that there's this tendency, I think, with really, with people who think a lot, where they can think themselves straight out of it, hmm. straight out of believing. And I was kind of afraid that I would be that kind of person. So I think that I, there was some avoidance there. Um, in any case, four years of college go by, that's all happening. Um, I move out. 
you and I have met at this point. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I move out. I move out with my, uh, or move into an apartment with my really good friend, Sam, um, who you also know. Um, mm -hmm. I think I was barely 22 at that time. Um, and it was the first time in my life that I was completely separated from my parents' immediate influence. There were no more nightly discussions about anything, you know. Um, and yeah. pretty quickly after moving out, it, all of the doubts that I had kind of suppressed for four years or, and maybe longer than that. I mean, there were definitely doubts when I was in high school, you know, and stuff like that, but it was different and maybe not quite as strong. Um, but all of those doubts suddenly just like hit me like a ton of bricks over the head mm. multiple times over. Um, I just couldn't ignore it. And I was telling Tori about this the other night and she remembered that um, at the time for a while, I was, I she would ask why I seemed so tired. And it was like, I couldn't sleep because mm. I was, I would be up until two or 3 AM um, either lying in my bed or if I, if that wasn't working for me and I just need to wear myself out, I would go on these like extended walks um, mm. because I was like, I, I'm not an anxiety prone person mm. normally. That's just not a thing for me. If mm -hmm. I ever experienced it, it was during this t time period because I would just be there in my bed or on a walk with this just kind of overwhelming sense of dread and this mm. sort of this fear of death and this thought of, well, if God's not real, like I've been being taught the last four years of my life, then what waits for me afterwards is nothingness hmm. and for some reason the idea of nothingness or kind of non-being um was horrifying to me and i don't know why it's kind of hard to put a, hmm. a finger a, uh, a finger on um it just wasn't great <laughs> yeah. uh, so so this was like a nearly nightly thing for a, a long mm -hmm. time um maybe a year it, it was a lot um and it got to the point where you know where i'm thinking okay so do i believe what my parents believed or did i just say that i did because i lived there you know and like did i, I never really i remember saying prayers to accept christ when i was like seven and it but it was a thing where you know they're asking people to accept christ as their savior every week you know, and I'm mm. doing it every week, but I wasn't doing it because of any of like love for God. I was doing it because I was terrified of the idea of hell. That was the only reason <laughs> like, there was, it was, yeah. and older now and having gone through what I've gone through, I know that the whole point of Christianity is to have that relationship with God and mm. to love him because he is who he is and it's not about me really <laughs> you know like yeah uh, it, but um but at the time, it was just uh, fear fear driven really at the time and i was just gonna say like I, I you'll probably touch on this the more you go on and i'm trying to think of the best way to word this because it might come across differently than the way i mean for it to you but 
you know, when I think about faith, like, did you ever, like, looking back on it now, do you feel like a part of you maybe, like, overthought about some of the things? Like, did you overthink it? Or do you think you were just thinking about it, like, in a way that was consistent, like, to who you are as a person? Does that make sense? Like, Well, if, if consistent <laughs> to me as a person is overthinking things, then yes. <laughs> On both of them. But you know what I mean? Like looking back on it, are you like, I was just overthinking it the whole time? Or are you thinking like I'm glad that I thought so much about it because so, it's helped me to explain my faith now, I guess. I think that <laughs> my kind of personal mission at this point, and part of the reason why I talk about this occasionally with people is because as much as I do process things a lot. Yeah. I actually think I underthought stuff for mm -hmm. most of my life up until yeah. this point where I'm freaking out at night. You know, <laughs> like that's 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 yeah. my problem with my biggest pet peeve <laughs> within the Christian uh, demographic is how many of them, especially in the Bible Belt, say one thing and do the complete opposite. Yeah, I hate it. And the reason I hate it is because I did it, <laughs> you know, and I did it yeah. for so long, um, 22 years, basically. So mm. that was, that's part of the reason why I talk about this skepticism thing is, yes, I was always a natural skeptic. Yes, I asked questions. Yes, I had doubts, especially during this time period that we're talking about today. But the reason that I am talking about it is because I didn't even think about it before yeah. that. Um, yeah. And I think that especially for people who, probably anyway, especially for people who grew up in it, you kind of mm. just take that culture. It's a cultural Christianity more than a faith. You know, like yeah. it's just something you grew up in. It's the South. We're mostly Christians. You're oh, yeah. quote unquote Christian in the South. Right. Um, and so uh, I just didn't identify, I couldn't identify the yeah. difference between those. I mean, the thing is, is like, if I think about it, I mean, I, like I said, I'm very much this person just had faith from a young age. But at the same time, when I look back on it, I think it was when I was maybe middle school is when I always say I rededicated my life because I sure. think. I will say one thing about me is hearing you talk is making me laugh because it sounds like me. I don't want to over, I don't want to think about <laughs> things because I'm dreading it sometimes. Because <laughs> sure. if I think too much about it, uh oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> um, what am I going to find out? You know what I mean? So yeah. I get what you're saying because I'm the same way when it comes to thoughts like that. And then sometimes I will find myself and I, I have to think about it. I mean, I can't just ignore things. I think it's a good thing that you didn't ignore your questions. I think yeah. that that's one thing that a lot of Christians do is we're like, we can't have questions. That's just, that's not having faith. Well, no, the questions are actually, I think, a catalyst to faith. Um, I think it's just the way that you, you think about it, right? Yeah. And I think the church maybe has missed the mark and saying your questions are okay. Your curiosity is okay. And but rain those in, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, yeah. like you have to have faith. And a lot of it is faith. I mean, it's like I have faith in, you know, not in what is seen, but in the unseen, right? That's what, like, what right. Jesus said. But at the same time, 
asking those questions. If you look in the Bible, I mean, everybody was asking questions of Jesus and ultimately yeah. he was able to, to answer them back. So asking questions is just part of being a human a lot of times. And even though yeah. I might be more naturally bound to just have that faith, there have certainly been times, and you know that because you've known me in the past few years, sure. <laughs> that I've had those questions. I've even had to like talk to you guys about those, you know, yeah. where, you know, where is God in this situation? That type yeah. of thing. Which, like, I, going through this particular point in my life, it felt like the worst time of my life. It was terrible, despite having one of the mm -hmm. biggest blessings thrown in my life at that point, which was Tori, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it's kind of this weird dichotomy, but got that to that point where I'm trying to, I'm now questioning whether I ever believed any of it, you know, and I, and I, I think the truthful answer was no <laughs> at that mm -hmm. point, you know, just cause yes, I had said what I, you know, said those prayers to accept Christ like a bajillion times up until that point. Um, <laughs> I, being a pastor's kid, like I always had a natural, like I wanted to help people kind of thing. And so I volunteered for practically everything you could think of in the church, especially being a pastor's kid where there's almost like this church-wide expectation that you're going to be the golden child who does everything right. I'm just right. imagining you like, yes, yes, yes. Yes, just like signing, signing up everything. for all of it at once. No, like I, would, I was 12 years old and my dad never once asked me to do any of this. So I think in hindsight, some of this was, was God doing something at the time, but like I, he, I would get up when I was 11-ish at like 5.30 in the morning to go with my dad on Sundays to help set up the church, which was meeting in a YMCA at the time. And we had to haul everything out of a storage unit into a U-Haul truck to the church, unload, set it all up, and then tear it all down and go back at the end of the service. So I would do that. Um, I helped out with the nursery. I helped out with the four and five-year-olds. Um, I got older. I helped out with the kids church and the youth group teaching it even at times, um, which now I look back, is kind of terribly <laughs> ironic. Ironic. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, I, I mean, I went to youth group. I did, I did everything. Um, and mm. it, and so that's again, part of why I look back on it with sort of a distaste in my mouth of just like how pharisaical that was, <laughs> you know, just like mm -hmm. um, I, and I, I can't stand it. But when I got to the point of asking it whether I believe it or not, and the answer was no, I was like, all right. So if I, theoretically, if I don't believe that, how do I account for existing? <laughs> like, you know, why am I, why am I even here? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. so uh, then the, the crazy study time begins. I, I mean, I'd pulled up, um, I, I'm just going to read through part of this because I, I read, I wrote down a lot of stuff when I was going through all this. I had, I started like a, a journal essentially. Um, but uh, about a year ago, I wrote a letter to my dad, mm. um, just kind of explaining some of this stuff. Mm. Uh, and this is what I said about kind of what was going on in terms of reading and studying mm. uh, so uh, the, before where I'm starting it's talking about 
all the doubts that we've discussed up until now. But mm. I start, it starts off with, despite having all those doubts, I simultaneously couldn't accept the idea of the universe and humanity coming from nothing. I couldn't accept an atheistic point of view, and I doubted the theistic point of view, which left me in a agnostic state of mind. I just didn't mm -hmm. know. So if there is no God and we did not appear by chance, how am I even alive? How are any of us alive? How can a universe exist without a creator or chance? How can there be a chance at all at, if at one time nothing existed? <laughs> in, mm -hmm. a, in a desperate desire to answer the questions driving me crazy, I began reading anything I could get my hands on to explain existence. I read through the thoughts of many philosophers across history from Thales in Greece to Nietzsche and found them lacking. I read the explanations of scientists and mathematicians from Galilei to Hawking and Dawkins only to find theists and atheists in almost equal measure. The atheists mm. perhaps provided some of the more intriguing concepts of the beginning of the universe, some form of evolution and the Big Bang among others, but I found that it required just as much faith to trust in their findings as in religion. Evolution still begged the question, where did anything come from in the first place? And the Big Bang begged the question, how can nothing explode? <laughs> doesn't that con contradict <laughs> yeah. the doesn't that contradict the laws of physics? They had their explanations, but I couldn't make some of the logical leaps. In the end, I read about different religious beliefs and found them shallow or self-contradictory. Again, this whole process began with the question, why am I here? Hmm. Finally, I returned to the Bible. I decided to read it using a chronological study plan, supplemented it with several books. Um, and then between scripture and these authors, I found the answer I had been seeking, which had been in front of me my entire life. Christ is the answer to the problem of pain. He's the answer to pain and death. God placed us here in his image and the Bible has no true contradictions within itself because God wrote it and he is wholly consistent. Nearly two years after my questions began, I found myself weeping on the floor of my bedroom, crying out for God to forgive my blindness and deafness, which I imposed on myself, and he did. Mm. Um, that skips a whole lot of stuff that happened, <laughs> but... I'm like, I'm chilled. I was about to start crying, so but, we're good. But that's, that's, that's the gist. <laughs> like, it was... Yeah. It was it says two years later, I was on the floor of my bedroom crying, um, which is true. <laughs> um, but just backing up a little bit, like hmm. there's the philosophers or whatever. I, there were there was a lot of them. If I had to guess at how many books I read that year and a half, it had to be sixty or more. Like it was oh it was it was a lot. I don't. It, it was either on my Kindle or a physical copy. I've got like Plato's Republic behind me and Aristotle's <laughs> rhetoric, and I've got uh, some Kierkegaard. I've got like there's there's a lot of philosophers back here, and I actually like even now I find some of their thoughts really interesting, and I think some of them you could all maybe use within Christian context, except for Nietzsche, um, who who's kind of the famous God is dead guy, hmm. um, and out of the philosophers, he was the one I latched on to the most mm. because his kind of philosophy was a branch of existentialism. Um, he calls it nihilism, which is basically the idea that nothing really matters. Um, <laughs> there is no God. Again, God is dead in his view. And, um, and 
since nothing really matters, you can kind of just do whatever you want because there's no consequences. Yeah. Um, which in some ways was a really liberating idea, <laughs> you know, because you <laughs> could, again, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But it had the same um, kind of dread impact on me because it was, again, that idea of nothingness, um, which I just couldn't couldn't cope with. And again, with all like I wrote in that letter, these kinds of thoughts of the idea of nothing blowing up doesn't make any sense to me. They have their explanations. Like I think one, one explanation is that um, the universe is in kind of like a cycle where there the, the universe expands like mm -hmm. it's doing now, and then it contracts in on itself until it gets so so infinitesimally small that it can't handle it and then it blows up again so it's like explode retract explode retract explode retract um but it still begs the question what was the first dang explosion you know or like but yeah then, and that's ironically that kind of cycle of the universe kind of creating and destroying itself over and over is is a pantheistic thought, which is a kind of an Eastern religion uh, mm. concept where the universe or kind of God is in everything and the, you know, uh, yeah. that kind of thing, um, which is baloney in my, in my mind. Um, so anyway, I, 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 you know, I will say, cause I know we talked about, you know, you were reading the word and like kind of what you were saying to your dad. Yeah. So looking back on that, cause if you're talking about creation specifically, I mean, was it was it really Genesis that convinced you, or is it more as you're reading throughout the word that convinced? I mean, just <laughs> out of curiosity, you know, if you're thinking about yeah. creation specifically, the creation story, I mean, it's woven throughout the word of God, but if we look really at just the creation story within itself, it's mainly explained in Genesis. So I'm just curious. There were, for me, there were kind of like two linchpins within the Bible itself that. I felt like if these fall flat, then it all falls flat. All right. One of them was the origins of the universe, because if the only way that the Bible, all of the Bible <laughs> can be mm -hmm. true is if the beginning of it is true. That's mm -hmm. one thing. The other thing, at least for Christians, um, would be the histor the historicity of Christ. Like, did, mm -hmm. did he exist, for one thing? Because a lot of atheistic scholars say he didn't. Um, a lot, yeah. Ironically, a lot of other atheistic scholars say that the atheistic scholars who think that he didn't exist are idiots. <laughs> so it, it was very, they were very uh, torn between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as it regards, in regards to Genesis, yes, it, it was important. Um, once I got into that phase, because mm. after going through the philosophy stuff and the religious stuff, um, and just kind of reading whatever, um, sometimes I read their like actual works. Sometimes I read works by other people who explained the actual works. <laughs> mm. um, but I then kind of went through what I call it's kind of my like my last phase, which I called back to basics, <laughs> uh, mm. where yeah. I was like, okay, since all of that seems just as concocted as anything else, um, let me go back to my kind of basic questions, right? Is there a God at all? Which would just be theism or atheism. If there is a God, 
is it the God described in the Bible or somewhere else? Hmm. If it is the Christian God, how do I know that the Bible is trustworthy? How do I know it's mm -hmm. historically accurate? And if it is, <laughs> who is Jesus? Yeah. Um, which is probably the most basic and non-profound question that someone could ask. But it was a very reason, important question, though. <laughs> for, for whatever yes. reason, that was the question that got me. Um, so I, my dad, at this point, once I decided, uh, up until now, I had talked to nobody about this. This was mm. a year and a half or so of me just trying to figure it out. And the reason that I did that, especially with my parents, was I wanted to figure it out for myself. I wanted to yeah. figure out what I believed. I didn't want them to influence it like they had for 22 years. You know, I, like I wanted it to be my own thing. Um, I didn't even really talk to Tori about it, which she um, mentioned the other night, actually, when I was telling her my outline. Um, <laughs> and that's true. Uh, but when I got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm I'm willing to look at Christianity and just ask these really hard questions that I've been avoiding for years um, because no one else was able to answer my question. And so uh, at that point, I talked to my dad um, a bit. That was hard. <laughs> mm. um, and then I told him my questions and he started giving me some resources, tools, basically, um, books <laughs> for me. And uh, there were a couple that um, really influenced my thought processes. One was Evidence Demands a Verdict, um, or Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh and Sean McDowell. Um, it is a huge book. It is one of the most kind of dense things I've ever tried to read. Thankfully, yeah. the first chapter, <laughs> uh, oh, well, gosh, what's the ch chapter title? <laughs> it's okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I was like, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. Okay, okay, okay. The, uh, the chapter title, it's just, it's not even a chapter, it's the prologue, um, is titled A Theistic Universe. So, mm. ah! Um, so it answered your question right away. <laughs> immediately, it, it or it at least asked the question. My first question, which was, "Is there a God at all?" Um, mm. And it laid out a lot of pretty interesting ideas that I hadn't ever heard anywhere. Somehow, um, like I'm talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, my pride to just. Like, <laughs> You know everything, Adam. Yes. Um, no, I'm messing with you. But, uh, <laughs> but so that was a, a big book for me. I, I feel like I can't really dive into what they talked about because there's just too much. Um, I know, I know. But one of them is um, some of it was talking about the Big Bang Theory and some of these other stuff. So some of the thoughts I've already expressed probably came from that book. <laughs> um, my dad also gave me, uh, um, he gave me a few books by uh, a theologian who's now my like all time favorite theologian, uh, R.C. Sproul, um, mm. who is not 
at least theologically from the same camp that I grew up in. <laughs> like he's more reformed theology. The church I grew up in was a little more Armenian. Um, people who have any idea what that means will know it. Whatever. <laughs> Adam's uh, <laughs> like, Anna does not know what I'm talking no, about. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that. I don't know. I, um, I don't. I okay. don't, Adam. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this on our own sometime. No. Um, but it was, anyway, so I loved him because he, mm. he talks about things and even with stuff he doesn't agree with, he'll explain it really well and it's just easy to understand. It's very conversational. It's great. Um, and then I picked up a problem of pain by C.S. Lewis, who had been my favorite author as a child with Chronicles of Narnia. Somehow I didn't realize until I was an adult that he had written other books. <laughs> and so, uh, quite a lot of other books, in fact. Uh, I th oh my goodness. I think, except for maybe one or two, I might own all of them now. Um, but a problem of pain was a big deal for me um, just because that was my kind of original doubt if that makes sense um, yeah. back in college and then maybe before that um, and it was just I don't know I, Lewis has a way of saying things that I let's, let's put it this way I don't cry very much, okay? That is not a thing that I do. I'm not a very emotionally driven person. I know this, I know this. But I have learned since <laughs> that if I randomly start crying at a sentence that in any other context would have no emotional impact on anybody normal, mm. If I cry to that, then that there is a whole a Holy Spirit moment talking to me about something. Um, mm. Maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but yeah. a good chunk of it, I would lay at at the Holy Spirit's feet in those moments. Well, and I was crying the, all throughout. Oh, I'm moments. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I was going to ask you a quick question yeah. because I know we don't have a ton of time left. Yeah. I am going to ask you your favorite verse, but I'm going to ask you one thing before that. Okay. If there's anything that you could like, and this is going to be a hard one to answer. So I know you being the thinker that you are, you can take a minute to think about it. <laughs> um, but if you had like one thing that really summed it up for you, because you finally landed, like I have the answer to my questions. Like, yeah. Is there anything that like fully sums up all those questions that you have? Like, is there, is it just in the person of Jesus? I mean, what would you say to somebody who's questioning their faith and stuff like that? Um, I guess there's a twofold answer. Yeah, please. The thing, <laughs> the thing that's solidified me on hunkering down on the Bible again, up until this point, I had not picked up my Bible, period, in the year and a half or two that I've been doing this. I had been reading human people. Um, the, mm. the human person who I read, or not read, I ran into, was when I got to my last question in that list, which was, who is Jesus? Um, and I had been watching a lot of uh, professors and lectures and stuff online mm -hmm. as well as reading books. And so I got on YouTube where you can find a fair number of lectures and I just searched who is Jesus. <laughs> That's all I did. Mm -hmm. And 
a video popped up, um, which was Billy Graham. Mm. And uh, Billy Graham, I have some of his books. He's not my favorite writer. He's a great thinker, love him. But that video, it was like 2 a.m. in <laughs> January 2018. And the video, at the very beginning, he is like, it's in like one of his big uh, crusades that he did, tent crusades. He's like shouting, who is Jesus? <laughs> who is this Jesus Christ? And the thing that struck me was also near the beginning of the video where he says, our greatest philosophers, our greatest historians have wrote about him. Our greatest artists have made art about him. How can you not believe he existed? Hmm. He has impacted history more than any person who's ever lived. We're, we are 2,000 years past his birth, and we still, although they're trying to change this, we still use before, before BC, before Christ, as a time, as like a stamp to figure out what time something happened. Our year is based on him and when he was born. Um, so something about that, having just read through historians and philosophers and artists and whatever else, something about that kind mm. of hit me in a way that I, I was just like, you're right. I read freaking Nietzsche who hates God and he's still writing about him. Like that's the, that's the thing that was weird to me, right? If you hate something, mm. why? Why talk about why, how can it. you hate something that doesn't exist? That's the mm. part that was annoying to me. Yeah. Um, so that was Billy Graham. That was the one, the guy who kind of drew me back to it. Um, and then like what kind of struck me, I, I was watching probably for a month, like every sermon that I could find of his, for some reason it was just the thing at the time. And uh I had picked up my Bible and started reading. I decided to do a chronological study, but I was, I started with the New Testament um, and I, uh, with the advice of my father, I started reading Luke um, mm. because Luke is a historian <laughs> who yeah. thinks a lot like me, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> there's a lot of whys and hows in, in his, mm -hmm. uh, in his gospel. Um, mm -hmm. But then Billy Graham died like a month after I started mm -hmm. watching his stuff. And again, it's like 2 a.m. That is the moment I wrote about in that letter where I am, I just break down. I'm just crying mm -hmm. kind of uncontrollably. Um, mm -hmm. Just because it's like I had the videos I had, was watching recently of him. He is calling people to Christ and you are watching thousands of people just mm -hmm. go to these altar calls. And there was something in me that was just like, I want to be like that guy. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a dude who talks on a stage and, you know, and thousands flock to the front because of some eloquence that I may or may not have. I want to know 
that I know that I know that God exists the way that this dude does Yeah. and did his entire life. You know, he's like yeah. 101 when he died and he did his last sermon when he was like 98, you know, like I, he's yeah. so old. Um, so some, <laughs> something about him. And then I started reading some other heroes of the faith at that point. I picked up like Martin mm -hmm. Luther from like the 1500s or whatever. But mm. um, as far as the Bible goes, it, it ultimately, <laughs> after having this kind of, well, ironically come to Jesus moment. Um, <laughs> I picked up the Bible and started reading that. I was in Luke, um, hmm. and I just kind of kept reading. And I decided to go back and read the Old Testament and just sort of look for Jesus because of that. There's that verse in the New Testament that talks about um, it's after he's been resurrected and he's just walking along the road talking to a couple of people hmm. yep. about everything where in history that he showed up. But they don't talk about that, you know. Like they don't they don't say exactly where that happened, you know, in whichever gospel that shows up in. And yeah. so I went back to the Old Testament and started reading it through and I started noticing everywhere, like I'd never done before growing up, like that's him, that's him again, here he is again. Uh, <laughs> and it was just bizarre. So yes, I mean, ultimately, Billy Graham might've been sort of the gateway drug, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, for any Christian worth their salt, it boils down to Jesus. I, I, yeah. um, me crying desperately and having this sort of sudden overwhelming, not guilt exactly, something like it, but just, it's like I have been looking so hard, asking so qu many questions <laughs> in so many places, and the answer was the thing I was avoiding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that night I prayed and, um, isn't it interesting when that happens? <laughs> yeah. Interesting and vexing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yes. But, uh, hmm. so I guess, um, just to summarize, cause I know that we're waiting. Yeah, no, you're good. Point. You're good. It doesn't that, matter to me. It's been that, great. That night was if I had to pinpoint a night where I took it seriously, it was the night Billy Graham died. Um, mm. And since then, I have been reading the Bible for sure, of course. You have to. Um, but suddenly the floodgates opened and I'm just, I'm reading anything I can get my hands on that will explain what I'm now trying to, um, or what I was then trying to kind of reacquaint myself with, which was Jesus, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so uh, um, the Bible, absolutely instrumental. Um, there were a slew of other people who have been instrumental, um, both in my actual life and then people that I read the works of. Um, which hmm. would take a lifetime to explain at this point. Oh, I know. <laughs> but the, well, this two is, years of study is, yeah, yeah, a lot. Well, it was like a year, and, <laughs> I guess it was a year and a half up until Billy Graham died. So it was 23 mm. when he died. So it's mm. been like four years since then. And some, I guess this is for the skeptics out there who love asking questions. This part 
is if you want to go some place where you can ask as many questions as you want and get basically all of your answers, but then have subsequent questions that never end, <laughs> which is yeah. a sort of heaven for me. <laughs> it is the character and person of Jesus Christ, God, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Yeah. Because since they have a limitless depth, right? It's like if I were to try, if I in my own lifetime were to try and look at every single particle at the bottom of the sea, mm. I would never complete it. A million yeah. times that is what happens when you're trying to examine again for lack of a better word the things of of god like yeah his like one of my favorite things to talk about nowadays is his character and like the different facets of that and there's mm. reasons about because of that that i won't go into but every single aspect of his character you could talk about forever like it just it's yep. it's imp it's wonderful and exciting and thought-provoking but then also healing <laughs> and and yeah. the relationship itself is the part that eluded me so much when I was younger because it just didn't make sense mm. it does now <laughs> and yeah and so again to the skeptic ask your questions if you've never asked your questions please ask them they are it's yeah they're important they're important you can't mm -hmm. and if you're not if for me i didn't face them because i was afraid don't be afraid of asking the questions because mm. that's probably where you're going to find your answers <laughs> you know as asking mm. asking in the first place um yeah anyway so that is in a long <laughs> shell <laughs> well, I cannot ask you what it if you have one, and you probably have a million. But what is your favorite verse? Oh gosh! Ah! Oh, I know the answer to this. Hold on. Oh, okay. But this became my favorite verse, uh, maybe a year or two ago, um, mm -hmm. when I started kind of recognizing um, that even though I was you know, maybe not quite in the belief state as a younger person, um, that he was still teaching me stuff. So this is Psalms 71, 17 through 20. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous works and miraculous deeds. And even when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not abandon me until I declare your mighty strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. Your righteousness, O oh God, reaches to the height of the heavens. You who have done great things, O oh God, who is like you, who is your equal. You who have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive and renew me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Hmm. And that's my favorite. Adam, you did awesome. Thank you for being on with me. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It was a me. gift. <laughs>